Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the On the Horizon podcast. I'm your host, Horizon President Chris Dickerson, and with me, as always, my co-host, our marketing director, Steve Petrato. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing pretty good, Chris. Things are a little interesting. We'll be doing this uh, remotely, but I, I, uh, I'm excited to have another fun interview with another exciting RC legend. So uh, cheers to our first remote podcast, huh? <laughs> yeah, and thank you for getting this set up. I know, uh, you know, we're all trying to figure out how to work remotely, and we're all becoming much better at technology than we were just a few weeks ago. But uh, yeah, you've got us caught up here, I think, technology-wise. And, you know, our goal, one of it was with the RC podcast, was to sit down with some of the influencers in RC and have that face-to-face conversation. Um, we're not able to do that right now as we're practicing social distancing, but uh, I think we're doing our best, and so far it's working pretty well. So hopefully, like you said, we've got a great guest this week, and uh, hopefully it'll be good for everybody. So before we jump into that, you know, I think, Steve, it'd be good. Maybe we can just give you know, everybody out there listening to the podcast a little bit of an update on what Horizon's doing to just make sure that we keep, um, you know, our, our Horizon employees uh, safe so that they can continue to serve and be part of the RC um, uh, RC community. You know, we, we immediately, as you'll remember, Steve, when the CDC started putting out information about social distancing and working from home and hand sanitizers and all this stuff that everybody's heard from a hundred different directions now, you know, like always, um, you know, we have a, a basic about doing the job safely being more important than getting the job done quickly. And I think, you know, we really took that to heart like always and took a lot of steps to make sure that the Horizon team was safe and healthy. Um, of course, we're encouraging people that if they don't feel well to just stay home, we've given people extra sick time in case they need to use that. Um, you know, and so I think, you know, the big thing was, was it about three weeks ago, Steve, you know, we were all working from the office and, and, uh, you know, for the last almost two weeks now, week and a half, I guess it's been at least, um, most of us are working remotely now. So I'm really impressed with the horizon community, how quickly we mobilized to, to get everybody working remotely to, to keep everybody healthy. Yeah, it's been pretty impressive to see how quickly people have just completely changed and and kept right up with the fast pace of our business. You know, we we uh, we want to keep the awesome products flowing regardless of the of the situation, uh, but at the same time taking care of the, our staff and ultimately taking care of our customers. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been very cool to see uh, my team and many other teams work so well together just being apart when we're used to being a few steps from each other. Now we're a phone call away or a video chat away, but it's, it's been pretty impressive. Yeah. So we, we are, you know, one of the things for the community out there, we were able um, through the definitions in both Illinois and California of essential businesses to maintain our distribution center operations. And we've also implemented a lot of steps there to make sure that those people are safe and healthy and have things like social distancing and, you know, all the cleaning uh, that we need uh, so that we can continue to take care of the community to get them all the parts and projects they need to enjoy maybe some extra time at home. Um, now is a great time to have a RC hobby if you didn't have one going into this. Um, so we want to make sure we can continue to support our retail partners and also, um, you know, the customers out here listening to the podcast. We do, you know, Steve, I think we do owe a big 
thank you to our distribution center employees. Obviously, we don't know a way to have people take the distribution center home yet and work from home. So those <laughs> folks are coming into the office or into the D.C. Um, and we do really appreciate their efforts, you know, to keep things moving along, to keep the horizon machine running uh, in a safe way. Um, but we do really yeah, appreciate sure. their contributions. Yeah. Round of applause to those folks. I know they're, they're working hard and everyone else is working hard, but just in a different way, but they're definitely driving yeah. to work every day and, and keeping things moving. So, you know, you guys as the listeners and customers can keep getting cool RC stuff from, from us directly or from all of your local hobby shops. If they're doing curbside pickup, we've seen a lot of that through our retail partner, uh, you know, chain, we've seen them doing del- home deliveries even when they never used to do that before. So it's been, it's been pretty exciting to see, you know, it's, it's a tough time, but it's exciting to see how our community, our industry rallies to make sure people still have fun stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. And I know, you know, there's a lot of things about, you know, shopping local and supporting your local businesses. And certainly I know my, my family is, talked me into, you know, getting takeout and carry out to support local restaurants. But, you know, if you're listening to this podcast too, you know, take an opportunity to call that local hobby store and to see if they're offering curbside service or, or delivery service, you know, if you need parts or anything, because, you know, they need help in this time too. Um, So again, we we will get through this and we'll be back out at the flying field and the track soon enough. We just all want to do our part here. So um, you know, yeah. thanks. Thanks to everybody. I would say to the podcast listeners, just one last thing, um, you know, our service levels from product support and customer service, we are getting inundated with a lot of calls. I think there's a lot more people at home during the day. And so a lot more people with calls and questions. Um, we are doing our best to take care of folks as well as we can. We're not in our normal working environment, so we're not quite as efficient as we'd like to be. And we just ask you to be patient with us as we work through this. But um, you know, we will do our best to continue to take care of everybody out there. Definitely. And, and those of you that have been, uh, posting on social media, we, we, uh, love to see that and we want you guys to make sure you get featured. So please use the hashtag RC from home and, uh, we'll try to get you featured on the, uh, HH Facebook page. But if you are posting any cool scale crawling tracks on the couch or out there doing some backyard flying, you know, make sure to post it up with the RC from home as a hashtag. We'd appreciate that. And, uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention too, is just a quick update on our event travel. You know, many of you know, we, we do go to quite a few events throughout the year, uh, but in an effort to obviously, like Chris mentioned, keep our employees safe, we've elected to kind of stop traveling until further notice. Uh, we'll hopefully have an update on that soon. Uh, but as it stands, as of today, uh, we, we still plan on having our Fest and both, both Axial Fests, um, at Donner and uh, in Indiana, as well as Air Meet. But, you know, things could change. But for now, we have our fingers crossed uh, that those will happen, being that they are kind of June and on. Um, so just uh, just a heads up, we won't be able to attend some, some big events in the spring. We're disappointed, but we think it's the right thing to do. Um, but I just want to make sure you guys listening knew about that as well. Yeah, and we'll keep everybody posted as we have final news. But we will do everything we can to balance uh, safety, but also to get, have some of these events. Cause I know Steve, you and I both were, uh, looking forward to some of our big events this summer. So hopefully we can find a way to make them happen in a safe way. So we'll just keep everybody posted. Yeah, for sure. Well, it wouldn't be a RC podcast if we didn't talk about some new products, Chris. So let's go on to the good news. All right. I'm going to jump right in. So, uh, last couple of weeks, we've had some really key announcements, 
uh, some really some really big announcements, uh, both on the surface side and a physically large announcement on the air side. Um, so first off, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, recently from Hangar 9, we released a, uh, a 170cc to 200cc FX Cub. Uh, it's quite a big airplane. In fact, it, uh, it weighs in around 55 plus pounds. But if you're into giant scale and you're into Cubs, this is one of the coolest airplanes. Uh, that we've developed through Hangar 9, quite literally one of the largest airplanes we've ever developed. And uh, Ali Machinchi had his hand on that one, and he's just made it an incredible airplane. He's recently posted some videos um, of, of this thing flying, and, and boy, is it is it more than just a Cub. It's, it's really, really impressive. So that will be available here very shortly. Um, so be on the lookout for that release. I believe it'll be early April when that uh, that actually hits the shelves. Okay, well, on the surface side, we had not as big as the Hangar 9 uh, in size announcement, but I'd say in importance, uh, a release on the surface side, Steve, recently, and it just started shipping, but the Axial SCX-10-3 kit was announced in March and actually started shipping at the end of March. Um, you know, this, the SCX-10 really created the crawler segment. And we've come out with a whole new generation. This is not just a couple, you know, mild upgrades and we're calling it a new version. This is a next generation uh, SCX-10-3 vehicle. This um, kit comes with portals. It has the ability to upgrade it to either a dig or two-speed transmission. It has an adjustable frame, so you can use different bodies with it. Fender wells, bunch of super scale detail for everything from the body to um, it actually has, you know, a motor and drivetrain to it. Just a ton of really cool, really scale features on top of everything else. So this is uh, certainly a great project. If you've got some downtime, if you're at home right now, uh, building an SCX-10-3 kit would be uh, a great idea for you. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I've been monitoring social media, as you know, and I think, you know, I see a lot of posts on the SCX 10.3. We had some some early kits go out to some influencers and a lot of our retailers who are a part of our early access program. And because they weren't able to have uh, you know folks in their store, they were doing a lot of social media posts. But the thing I found most interesting was uh, I believe the first customer to have theirs completed was less than 24 hours when it hit their door. So <laughs> somebody spent an all nighter on that, <laughs> getting that ready, which is really cool to see. Absolutely, um, so that's a very yeah. And on the air side, uh, to finish it out, we we actually had two. So recently, we we refreshed the Sport Cub S2 from Hobby Zone. So those of you looking for a great beginner airplane, uh, it's the same great airplane. Uh, we've just we've just updated it with some newer technology. And one of the cool things on there um, is it now has battery voltage back to you on the transmitter that comes in the box in the form of an LED light. Um, so it's using some of our smart technology there to get that back down to the customer. So when you're out flying, you're learning to fly, you now know what your battery is before you hear the motor start to pulse. So that's a pretty cool update, but same great airplane, same trim scheme. So that's a, that's coming out. That'll be out. That's actually shipping now. And then lastly, uh, we just announced the uh, all new e-flight Cessna longitude as uh, a citation. It's a twin motor EDF ultra micro jet uh, modeled after, of course, the uh, beautiful business jet from Cessna, uh, the, the citation longitude. And this is, uh, it got tons of power, it runs on a 3S battery. You can take the landing gear off to do uh, some belly landings or just make it look cooler in the air, or you can land on the landing gear that come in the box. Uh, we're pretty excited about this. It's really second 
second twin EDF in the Ultra Micro line uh, coming off of, if you guys remember, the A10 that we did, the Ultra Micro A10. Um, so it's been quite the month for EDF jets, and uh, we'll continue to keep bringing out really cool products. So yeah, that, that wraps it up. That's a great looking jet. So, um, yeah, if you're again looking, you can still social distance, go fly, find a flying area near you that you can uh, be by yourself. And those are great uh, park flyers still. So get out there. But well, Steve, I think we ought to just get into it. We have a great guest today. So why don't we uh, uh, introduce our guest and get started hearing their RC story? Okay, Steve, I am excited to introduce today's guest. Uh, He is a person who really has shaped communication amongst the RC community. He's somebody who has a shared love for RC and antique cars. Of course, we're going to have to hear a little bit about that today. A true craftsman when it comes to working with guitars and amps. A pretty good musician, too. And I guess it makes sense that he currently resides in the Music City of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I want to welcome Mr. Jim T. Graham to the show today. Jim, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to uh, sit down with Steve and I. Hey, I'm uh, excited to be here, and I will let my wife know that you called me a legend in case that buys me any credibility here in the house. (laughs) You use it for whatever you can get out of it. How does that sound? I will. (laughs) All right. Very good. Well, um, so how are you spending your time? We introduced to folks, you know, obviously we're, we're doing this remotely. Typically what Steve and I were hoping to do is actually sit down with some of the legends like yourself. And if we were out at the field together, you know, the conversation everybody would love to be part of. And we're doing that remotely now because of the craziness in the world. But uh, how are you spending your time today? Are you are you taking it easy or are you as busy as ever? <laughs> No, definitely no taking easy. I would say the last two weeks have been some of the busiest uh, in the last, you know, since 2020 started. And that is because everyone is at home. They're looking for something to do. I've been watching our daily uniques jump up uh, every day. It's higher than the last. And today, actually, we're starting the first ever online trade show on rcgroups.com. Oh, wow. That is great. Well, that it's really cool. And, and it is amazing that we have the technology and things like RC groups that allow our community to still get a, a taste of, of, you know, being part of their club in a time when they can't go out and, and fly with their friends right now. So first of all, just thanks to you, especially in this current period for what you do to keep the community alive and well. Um, well, let's jump in, you know, first, you know, let's start at the beginning. How about it? And just tell us, you know, what got you started in the RC world? So my uncle, this all kind of blends into me now. My uncle was a bluegrass guitar picking full scale pilot that had a hangar on his property in Sadler, Texas. And so my dad would drop me off at uh, Uncle Kenneth's place and he would ride me on his motorcycle. We would fly around in his Cessna. And then on Saturday nights, he had bluegrass festivals where they'd pull the planes out put the people in and I would sit around and watch people play amazing guitars and faces. And um, I think that's where my love for airplanes came from. I grew up on a ranch in the middle of nowhere, but it happened to be next to Perrin Air Force Base, which was decommissioned. And once a year, they had an aerobatic competition. So the planes would come in about a week in advance one by one, and they would all do their routines. And I could lay as, and I'm talking like as a seven, eight, nine year old kid, 
I could lay in the field and watch them do their routines. They would land, then the next person would uh, go up. And I'm pretty sure that's where my love for flying came from. Well, it certainly makes sense. That's that's really cool. Um, yeah, I can see how you would fall in love with aviation being around that as a kid. Hard, hard not to, for sure. Um, well, now, as we mentioned, you run RC groups, you know, has your, has your experience changed now that you're, you kind of, it's your day job too. You're kind of like Steve and I, you're one of the few people we talk to who, uh, this is your day job and your passion. Has the RC experience changed to you now that you're kind of part of the industry? So when I first started, it was definitely an obsession and my wife, it drove her crazy. We would watch TV and I would build that would be my build time during the day. And then uh, my real job was I uh, worked for CMT. We did a show that uh, documented all the country artists. And so on my way to that job, I would stop at the field and fly one tank of gas. And I did it every day. And so that was my initial startup on the hobby. And now I've been with RC groups for 13 years. And the real trick, I realized what my role here is, it's it's not as much being an RC fanatic as being fanatical about promoting RC. And if you spend 13 years doing something, you have to, I think, uh, do it for the right reason and feel good about it and be proud of it. And so my real thing now is uh, doing the very job, best job I can promoting the hobby, getting the hobby uh, in front of people. And that's really my hobby at this point. Very cool. Very cool. Can you, can you let our listeners know? I know a lot of them will know you, but for those that don't, can you give them a, a rundown real quick on exactly what you do at RC Groups? Sure. My name is uh, Jim T. Graham. I, uh, the role has always been uh, ever-changing. I call myself the admin deluxe. And uh, for many years, it was just me. And I was in charge of rcgroups.com. We're the largest and one of the oldest, definitely the uh, the largest, oldest RC site on the internet. We started in 1996 and we are still around today. Um, you know, uh, currently as of yesterday, about 50,000 unique users came into the site to talk about RC. So if you have a question about a servo or you want to learn about a new product, um, this is the place that you would go and hang out with like-minded pilots. I also handle all the sales all the marketing, I create all the graphics. I also have been become pretty good at the back end. So any kind of uh, any tweaking that needs to be done to the site, I try to take care of that myself. So I pretty much try to do it all. Well, that that's really good. So how did you get started at, at RC Groups? And you said you've been there about thirteen years. How how did you get started there? So. Uh, I tried. I, I work on keeping these stories uh, quick and brief. I, I, I ran a record label. <laughs> I was here in Nashville, Music City, and I pitched an idea back in the dot-com boom. And I ran a record label. I had the first digital record label in Nashville. I amassed the largest uh, ownership of country music, digital ownership in the world. And this was in 2000. No one had an MP3 player on their phone. No one had an MP3 player at their house. And so in about two years, the investors decided that this was, they said digital music was a bad concept. It wasn't uh, valid. And so I found myself without a job. 
So I started flying RC every day and I ran into the owner of Hobby Lobby International. Hobby Lobby, I would say, uh, created the very first valid uh, electric RC company, planes that would actually fly on electric power. And I happened to be hired by them as their marketing director at the very moment that lithium polymer batteries and brushless motors came to the market. We owned the uh, exclusive rights to the very first and best lines of all this. And so I cut my teeth as the hobby evolved into, uh, this is before foamies existed and uh all the things that we fly now didn't exist at the time. In fact, the very first foamy showed up on RC groups, which I was on every day. And we were one of the first companies to advertise on RC groups. And a lot of the spots I sell today, I created while working at Hobby Lobby. And so I went to the head honchos, stop me at any time. I went to the head honchos. Oh, no, this is great. I said, look, there's this thing and there's this guy named Mike and he's making pre-printed foamy airplanes. So you glue them together. And then you put electric motors on them that we sell and you fly them. And uh, it took me a good long while for anyone to listen. Um, I was the new guy. I wasn't well established. And uh, finally, they said, look, if you'll shut up, we'll pick up one of these Mike Glass airplanes. And it quickly became the number one seller of the company. And that led to them bringing me into more meetings and saying, do you have any more ideas like these? And so that led to the first 3D uh, foam airplanes that had printing on them. I started working with guys like Chip Hyde. I have a pretty good story where I tried to combine Chip Hyde and Mike Glass, and they were such alpha personalities that it that it resulted in two airplanes because neither one could work with the other. And both of those, <laughs> beca- yeah, I won't quote what Mike said, but uh, it was an interesting time to uh, be dealing with pilots. And so that's when the ETOC started. So now these foam airplanes are becoming the plane that you have to own to compete in the electric tournament of champions. And everything blew up. The shock flyer, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember that. Shock flyers, I think, were 35 bucks. And uh, they said, look, we have a thousand boxes of these shock flyers. Do you think you can sell them? And we sold a thousand of those things in a remarkably fast time. And um, once again, no one had ever seen a lithium polymer. No one had handled a brushless motor. And it was just the blossoming of the hobby. That's pretty cool, Jim. I didn't didn't realize you were involved at that level back then. I I know you and I have known each other for a good while now since I've been at Horizon. but And even a little bit, I mean, I knew of you when I worked for Atlanta Hobby. And that was kind of during the the initial boom when when I was in. Oh, this is gonna, this isn't going to sound great. But when I was in high school, I uh, was working, and then we had the you know the first ever Thunder Power packs that came to Atlanta Hobby, and it was just started blowing up with uh, Cliff and then Extreme Flight and all their stuff. So it was, yeah, that was a cool, interesting time in the industry for sure. That's exciting. Yeah, that that's awesome to hear, Jim. I mean, it, yeah, and it's funny because that's I started at Horizon in uh, two thousand one, and so that was right when the Firebird product was coming out for for horizon and like you said it was like the beginning of this new you know revolution in rc and there were so many you know little pieces of it that it's this is part of what we love to do here is hear these stories like this about how all this was emerging and all these people were were part of things 
you know, again, like you said, you know, even 20 years ago when, when the RC, especially flying was really starting to boom. So that is, that's really cool to hear. I have a personal question to ask you. So I've heard you have a nickname, Billy Hell. Uh, yes. How, how does one, how does one get that nickname? First, let me say having the nickname Billy Hell is, is cool, but it's also super tricky. Um, I, so the, the evolution of the name is when I was about 15, I got my first truck and I had a hardship driver's license. I lived in, once again, middle of nowhere, Texas. So everything was an hour away. And um, my grandpa and I were pretty close. And so I would drive to Sadler, Texas, put my grandpa in the truck and say, where are we going? And he would take me to uh, the first house that his dad or his grandpa built in 1882. And um, so actually, that's where it came from. We were at this house in Collinsville, Texas, and there was railroad tracks. And he said, you know, me and my brothers would walk up those tracks once a week and we would buy a block of ice and put it in a wool blanket and bring it home for the, you know, so we would have ice for the week. And then he had this look in his eye and he said, me and my brothers raised Billy Hale in Collinsville, Texas. And so what would happen is they would go into town, walk up the tracks, and they lived on a farm. And they said the city boys would wait on them until they were leaving and then they would beat them up. And so he said that the next time they went to town after the first time they all got beat up, they took these uh, wooden handles from wash tubs and they both had, or they all had wooden handles in their hands. And when the city boys came after them, they started, uh, they got in a fist fight with these wooden handles inside their fists. And they, he said they would fight their way out of town. And so, yeah, it's <laughs> so uh, when he said we raised Billy Hell, I had never heard the term. And, you know, I, I haven't really heard it since. Occasionally, I've, I'll Google it to see if it's a real thing. And, and raising Billy Hell is a thing. And I thought, man, if I ever have a rock band, I'm going to name it Billy Hell. And I did have a rock band, but it wasn't called Billy Hell. And so the I got on RC Online, uh, one of the earliest RC communities. And I thought, I'm going to use that name Billy Hell on here. And it sort of stuck. So when I would go to events, even before I worked for anyone, people would yell, Billy Hell. And it people seem to really like saying it. And they really like yelling it. <laughs> And so before I worked for Hobby Lobby, I, I took all the money I had and I started a company called Billy Hell RC and that lasted two years. And so that kind of cemented the name Billy Hell and me together. And so there are people today who don't know my name is Jim or Graham. They only know me as Billy Hell. Well, based on uh, the amount of time it took you to tell that story, I looked up Billy Hell and it indeed... Uh, it indeed came back from 1885, according to the, uh, of course, the Dictionary of American Regional English. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah, no, it exists. And there's uh, many uses of it, even back to 1885, 1943. And it's, uh, yeah, it's cold as Billy Hell, raising Billy Hell. That's all. It's all real. <laughs> and, and so when I do my leather work, it's kind of my side name that I use. And, and at first you think, is it is it a good idea to have two names? And on the internet, I really believe it is a good idea to have two names now that I've been doing this so long. So. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, speaking of that, I think you obviously manage quite a few conversations, both with industry partners and RC group uh, individuals. I mean, I think you're probably one of the better people to ask this question. We usually ask it to most folks who are kind of in the industry. Um, 
But, you know, what sort of things are you starting to see in the RC world today? You've got a lot of eyes out there, a lot of touch points. What are you starting to see as far as trends in the RC community? So prior to being uh, socially distanced, I would spend an awful, um, awful, a lot, or I, I would spend a good amount of time on the road and then I would wind up in the office of an executive. And so for 10 years, the uh, main question is what's next? And what's next is the hardest question in any industry, definitely in this hobby. And, and sometimes I would definitely know what's next. And the way I know what's next is by going on the forum. And the forum will always kind of point in the direction of what's next. But I've said this about a year, maybe two years ago. I still feel strongly about it. Um, we kind of, as a hobby, diverted off into uh, drones and quads and quad racing. And I became heavily involved in only FPV flight. And I realized what was next was actual airplanes. And I can't believe I'm about to say this because it's just starting to occur to me as I'm rambling here. I think stick building is coming. Based, <laughs> this is crazy. So um, when all of this, when everyone uh, was sequestered to their house, I did an article about stick building and things you could do in your shop to take up your free time. And it blew up. And I'm still seeing it, you know, as of two weeks later, a lot of people looking into buying kits and building kits. And so I, my answer is airplanes are still number one for 2020. And I think stick building and kit building are going to start uh, seeing a rise. That's, uh, That's cool. It's kind of like uh, people going back to vinyl or something, right? It's that uh, what's old is new again, maybe. And, and again, people have some extra time on their hands and, and maybe want to be a craftsman a little bit. What do you think, Steve, on that theory? Yeah, I, you know, I, I like the theory. I think it's, you know, at least part of that is true, right? We're seeing guys that we, we just got done with a podcast with Peter Goldsmith, who's, you know, started his encore career doing kit builds and, you know, designing kit stuff. Um, I think that, you know, with people right now, anyway, <laughs> there's a lot more people rediscovering their, their RC past, right? I mean, we didn't always have bind and fly and ready to fly airplanes. We, we had, uh, we had to build them, you know, or at least had to build from a pretty roughed out kit, you know? And I think people with the newfound time, they're probably digging back, back into that. I mean, myself, I'm, I'm starting to do some more like car kit builds. I'm building a Tamiya semi truck just for fun. Um, in my spare time. And I think it's, you know, it's not a, it's not an airplane kit, but it certainly takes hundreds of hours to complete one. Um, but yeah, we see it too. You know, uh, Harry and I has picked up some momentum with, with folks. I think we've, we've released, you know, the new FX cup, granted not a kit, but people are, people are wanting to use their hands more. I think the, there's a, there's still a, a contingent of folks who are, what I, what I always refer to them as the Happy Meal customer, right? They, they just want something to go out and have fun because they just don't have the time. And, and I'm, I'm kind of that guy. I, I like an airplane that flies great and goes together fast. And the faster it goes together, the less I worry about crashing. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's, I think Pete used the, the term emotional debt, which I, I've heard many times before. But right. something with a low emotional debt like that, you can go out and have fun with it and not worry about it. But yeah, kit building is certainly – it's – it's there. It takes so much effort and skill, so it, it does weed out some of the folks. But now with this un, you know, unforeseen circumstance, I think some people are going to start checking it out. So that, that might that might be a pretty accurate statement. What do you think, Chris? I, I think so. I mean, again, in my background's a little more on the car side, but I do see, you know, like we just came out with the Axial, you know, SCX 10.3. And I mean, it's, it's a kit. 
And I mean, people are lined up for it. So, um, you know, I, I do see on the car side, and I think it's probably true on, on the air side too, you know, people are kind of looking at that resurgence and that, that accomplishment you get when you build something, you know, that it's, it's fun to just go out and fly, but a little bit like you were saying, Jim, I think part of what made drones not as much fun was they, you didn't build them. They pretty much flew themselves, you know? And so it wasn't really, there wasn't really a, a sense of achievement to it. And I think when you build your own kit, whether it be an airplane or a car or whatever, you just get a sense of accomplishment, you know, that you did something, you built something. And I don't know, maybe people are just wanting a little, little more of that now. With that said, you brought up Axial, and I don't know if you've ever seen any of my off-road videos, but I just want to say how much I love Axial, uh, quality equipment, uh, really cool designs, and I live next to a, I think it's a 300-acre park, and we, uh, as a family, have been hiking once a day. We'll take the dogs and the kids, everybody's here, and now I'm like, you know, that would be a great place to go rock crawling. And so the world in a whole new light when you get a crawler. (laughs) Right. Well, I thought, you know, I gotta, I gotta talk to horizon and see if I can start doing actual reviews again, because I, I I think that now is the time for that as well. Singular activities that are engaging. Come on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Crawling. Yeah, for sure. And and I think people are looking for some of that and, and uh, you know, we'll see, but uh, yeah, the, yeah, I'm, I'm, we've got some landscaping we were working on yesterday in the backyard and I was, I think I'm going to try to figure out how to, to make a small crawler course for it, um, <laughs> which I don't think my wife will love, but uh, I, you know, I, I'll do it before she figures it out. There <laughs> right. um, hey, to shift gears a little bit, uh, you know, speaking of cars, uh, I also know you're a, a pretty big car buff and that you have this beautiful, uh, I think it's a 66 red step side. You got it right. Yeah, good, good. Um, and then, so, I mean, are you, I guess, you know, are you, you mentioned Axial a little bit. I mean, are you, uh, re- you know, how much are you into real cars then? Let's hear a little bit about your car passion then. So my dad, my family, my, uh, my, we are the first, well, we're actually the second international harvester truck dealership in the country. And oh, very cool. he started that in 1965 my brother now runs that. So the company is, and I'm going to date myself as old as I am because I was also founded in 1965. And, <laughs> and um, because of uh, having a full shop at Graham International, and then my dad built a shop at our house in the middle of nowhere, and it was bigger than our actual house. So we had airlifts. And it was full on. He always had about eight cars in that shop and they were all antiques. We had 67, 66 Lincoln uh, convertible, 76 Eldo, which is in my driveway now, um, Harley Davidson's. And so I always had a thing for cars. My dad, any car that would drive by, if it was old, he would know what model and year it was. And I remember as a really little kid thinking, I'm going to be like that. I'm going to memorize every car. And I have. And so when I met my wife, I drove a 55 Ford pickup truck that had 350 in it and I put flamethrowers in the tailpipes. So that means that I put spark plugs that were connected to a wire on my dashboard. And if I hit a switch, I would dump raw fuel down the exhaust, turn on the spark plugs and blow three foot flames out the back of the truck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so, but this truck was always breaking down. And I sold it right after I got married and I was always complaining. 
And so my my old man goal, I'm not old man yet, but my uh, as I got older, I was like, I'm going to get a red truck again. And so the 66 showed up at the exact right moment. A few things had dropped in my lap. And it's a 66 C10 that three years ago was just a bare frame and cab that looked like something that would be in a junkyard. And now it has a 5.3 Vortec motor out of an 06 Tahoe, four-speed automatic, AC power steering, disc brakes. I've got a backup light, electric windows that work off the door cranks. And I almost took it to the last Horizon show to pitch it to Axial as a possible truck to model after. <laughs> and we call it the Billy Hell. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, that that's wonderful. Yeah, we'll have to get some pictures of it and run it by the Axial guys. But maybe that's maybe that's our next big uh, Axial project. You guys, you know, unofficially heard it here first. If you're uh, listening to this podcast, so <laughs> all kinds of all kinds of cool stuff here that you're hearing about. So. Jim, know good how, stuff. How many vehicles do you have? You just have your. You still have your excursion. I know you had that for a while. So, you know, I was trying to sell you my excursion and um, I couldn't do it. I, yeah. I I had like, I was looking yesterday, I had like nine people saying, when can I look at your truck? And I yeah. would not reply to them. And so <laughs> <laughs> that's how you don't sell a car. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> the excursions in the driveway, the 76 Alvarado convertible is uh, in the uh, covered area with the red truck. And what I really want I really, really, really want, and I've got one sitting here in my right monitor, is a 1966 Shasta pull-behind trailer. Mm. Oh, wow. And it's sitting here it's at a super low price. It's completely been redone with everything in it. It's, it's, uh, And I just try, you put that behind the 66 truck, and how awesome would that be, man? Oh yeah, that's that cool. is very very cool. If you do get that, we cool. need to bring that to RC Fest. <laughs> man, that up, man. That's a long drive, but maybe you could do it. Oh no, no, that's exactly what it would be for. Take it to Joe Nall, take it to Seth, take it there, and then I've always wanted a mobile office. So when we go, let's say to Joe Nall, which was just canceled, um, yeah. it involves first you hit the ground on the golf cart, and I take about five hundred photos a day, and then I go find a place where the connection is good. And I write stories, upload pictures. And I always think, man, if I had a little tiny office with AC, how awesome would that be? Yeah. Yeah. Having a, <laughs> and Joe and all, you need both of those. Good <laughs> internet and AC somewhere is, those are premiums. Yeah, that's for sure. I have a Jay Stussy, a story I want to make sure I don't forget to tell. Okay. Well, I think I have okay. a question on that coming up. So you can, we can pop it in there. <laughs> okay. All right. Very good. Well, maybe, you know, Jim, obviously you're kind of touching on it a little bit, but you are clearly quite the craftsman. I mean, I you do amps, leather belts, cars, motorcycles you've mentioned. I mean, tell us tell us about your handiwork. I mean, what is it about just being a craftsman that that drives you? And how do you how do you get these pretty divergent uh, interest from amps to leather belts to 66 uh, pull behind campers? So. The beautiful part is that it's all related to one thing, and it's the thing we're here talking about. I fully believe, I've always been a pretty creative guy, but I've never been that skillful. And I believe learning how to cut balsa, solder, uh, wire things up, make, like the first airplane I ever built, it took me a month. I could not actually, I just didn't believe it would fly. I mean, how could I put 
a series of things together and then do something to make it go through the air and come back in one piece. And when it did fly, I can still remember how blown away I was that this thing is in the air and it came home. And so the more RC stuff I did, the more I felt like I could do other things. And so that led, first thing I ever did was uh, build a guitar and I built my first guitar. I still have it. It's one of my favorite guitars, which is probably not how that always goes. And then that led to me, well, if I can wire an airplane, I could build an amp and I could build this guitar pedal. And so um, then when we got to the leather, I was already to the point where I felt like if, if I did it long enough, I could do anything. And so that all is related to my hobby. And that's where it all came from. That's I see a lot of people, including myself, you know, the RC community, RC world has driven me to go different places with my creativity. And I think it's really a jumping off point for a lot of folks, whether it's like someone like yourself who jumps into different industries entirely to music or just into, Hey, I'm going to try something else. You know, it's just, it's a really cool way to, to learn about really everything. And that's why it's so heavily used in STEM programs too. Ah. It just, it's one of those, it's one of the few hobbies out there, I think that really combines, you know, science, mathematics, you know, uh, learning how to wire stuff, solder stuff. It's really a, it's an industry that, and we're, you know, obviously excited to be able to work in it, but the industry that really grows creativity throughout many different facets for folks. And it's just a process, you know, A, B, C, D, E gets you to Z and then you get a finished product. And one other thing I'll note, and I've always felt a little sort of guilty because, you know, five o'clock hits and I move over and I'm either building or, or making leather or something like that. And when everyone was moved home last week, they started coming out with articles, how to deal with uh, being in your home. And I was like, holy cow, these are all coping mechanisms because I work out of my office for 13 years in the same space. And uh, all my hobbies, I believe, are because I have been sheltered at home for 13 years. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. <laughs> That's probably true. You're ahead of the trend. <laughs> I'm way ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, Jim, I know uh, you know folks can tell if they couldn't already. You're quite the storyteller. What uh, what has to be, your, and this may be the Jay story, but I doubt it. What has to be your all-time favorite RC story that we can share with our listeners? <laughs> oh, man. I might have to come back to that. The part the, the, it, there's all time greats, and then there's the part that you can share. Yeah, exactly. Joan All is a story mill. I mean, uh, if I had zero stories, and then Joan All was happening next week, I would come home with eight good stories, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll have to think about it. I I'll, I will tell my Jay story. So yeah. Go I, ahead. I used to have a, it was called the Hell Wagon. It was a 27 foot pull behind trailer that I had took to all the shows that I went to. And uh, that's where the excursion came from. And so my wife was like, let's take a family trip and we could go to RC. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll wind up in Michigan where her people were, but we went to the AMA and stayed there for a few days and flew. I had airplanes in the RV and uh, then we went up to Michigan and we're hanging out with her people and we were driving to something and off to the right was a huge RC field full of people. Obviously they were having a show and I'm like, honey, can we, and she's like, yeah, we can go. So I pull up in the hell wagon, get out and I'm standing on the main line with my camera, my trusty, trusty camera. 
And these two people approached me. One was six years old and one was, you know, his dad. And they were like, are you Flying Giants? Which is another company that I admin. And I said, I'm uh, Jim Graham with rcgroups.com. And they're like, yeah, yeah. So they shook my hand, asked me many questions. And uh, this was a long time ago. So I was at Chris Henson's. uh, He rented a place in Nashville. They were doing a show for the band that he's in, his Pink Floyd tribute band. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was sitting on the couch with Jay Stucia, who I consider to be the greatest RC pilot of the current time frame that we live in. And uh, his dad, who I see at all the shows, if I'm at a show, I'm hanging out at their RV. And uh, he goes, you know, I got to tell you a story. He said, and so he retells the story of uh, what I just told you. That six-year-old kid that I was talking to at that event was Jace. Wow. And that that was his dad. I have no idea. They knew this the whole time. It just never bothered to tell me. Wow. That's pretty good. That was quite a few. And Jace is, what, 19 now? So that was quite a few years ago. At least, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Well, you travel a lot, Jim. I mean, who else do you see out there that's really kind of, you know, rising up through the ranks as far as really skilled pilots? And like, I, I certainly agree with you and saying Jace being the being the top. I mean, seeing him fly at RC Fest and, and seeing him fly at a couple other events. Uh, he's amazing. I mean, that's as close as you can get to a rock show, um, a monster truck rally, anything you want, but it's, that's adrenaline to watch that guy fly, especially at, at night. It's, it's amazing. Who else do you see out there that you, you enjoy watching fly? Well, it, let me address this. Let me say, cause I have watched this. I I've seen pilots come up as young people, um, like AJ and, um, guys that I actually, it's, it's so weird to be older you, you always think of yourself as whatever you, age you are now. And then all of a sudden, somebody that was six is 19. And uh, I, I've seen them start out as little kids. I've seen them become notable. I've seen them get sponsored. I've seen pilots completely blow that apart because uh, there are certain ways you have to act on the field, off the field, online. And you can either parlay that into a uh, career or a company or you can blow it all to a million pieces and we'll never see you again. Yeah. And and that, and so I, these are things I love uh, watching social aspects of everything. And so this isn't the social aspect of the hobby. So what I'm, I want to say to aspiring pilots out there that want to be like Jace is uh, you have to treat everybody like, uh, like the first time I ever met Kike, he was about to fly at maybe it was Seth, maybe it was Seth, but I knew that he had a few minutes and I wasn't going to take too much of his time up, but he was my RC pilot hero. And he stopped what he was doing, which I'm sure was super important to, to do his demo. And he talked to me and as long as I wanted to. And so it's that kind of demeanor and that kind of attention to, uh, aspiring pilots that not only uh, will help you move forward as a pilot, but inspire pilots uh, of every generation to move up that ladder and, and take our hobby and, and move it into the future. And so I guess I'm not answering who are the hot pilots right now, but (laughs) I am. That's okay. That's a more important lesson I think is how do you become one of the the hot pilots and it's not all skill for sure. It, it's uh, like you said, it's a lot of the, how do you treat people? And you know, if you have sponsors, how do you work with them and all that kind of stuff? I mean, it's a, uh, 
it's uh, important to be who you are and not just how, how good you can fly, right? And and I'll have to give credit to Casey and John, Jace's parents, who fully support back travel uh, and take care of him. And uh, one other thing I want to bring up is I was talking to Jace at the Horizon event last year, and I was like, what is your daily regime? And he said that he flies three hours a day on real flight every day. Yeah. Hmm. And... So that says two things. A, go get real flight if you want to be a great pilot. It's how I taught myself to fly. And uh, if you want to be a super great pilot, fly three times a day like Jace. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, there you go. He puts in some incredible hours and uh, we've got a we've got a session with him planned. So we're excited to talk to him. I think, you know, he's got he's got such an interesting background being only 19. You know, he's done quite a bit in the industry. Uh, gone to many, many events that many of us will never even attempt to go to outside the country. Right. <laughs> Goes everywhere. Yeah, good. Yeah. I just yeah. I just did an interview with uh, the team over at Real Flight, and my goal was to say, hey, if you're locked in at home and have nothing to do, this would be a great way to uh, fly and test out some new airplanes. And so you can check that out on rcgroups.com. And like I say, it's about a week old and something you could do right now if you're bored. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I will check that out today. That that's uh in uh, yeah, real flight is is a great way to uh for somebody like me who did not start out as a pilot, um, it is amazing just how much confidence it can give you when you go do the real thing. You know, you get a lot of the muscle memory and those sort of things. So so very good. You know, Jim, you kind of touched on it a little bit. You obviously get to travel a lot and go to a lot of events and shows and things like that. You know, what are some of the the favorite ones or again, what should be on the must see list for people? And, you know, what are the ones you actually have some fun at or are you working at all of these things? Definitely working. And the most fun, the uh, I'd say it's equal. Um, The number one show you need to go to. And this is not discounting any other shows. I'm just saying it's the Grand Poobah of RC events. I don't think I need to tell anyone what it is, but Joe Nall. I still run into people that are super crazy into the hobby and they've never been to Joan all. And I'm like, stop talking to me, go home and make it happen. So we can't go this year for obvious reasons, but when you are able to, that is the event that you have to go to. Yeah. I, and again, I would certainly agree with that. I was able to go a couple of years ago and, and, Again, not not flying as much as as a lot of the people in the group like Steve. I um, I was just blown away. I mean, it's, it's kind of like I imagine Woodstock or something that would have been. I mean, it's like this like counterculture subculture that just lives out there for a week, and it's that's such an awesome event. So I I, I just came up with a story. It involves everything and everyone we were just talking about by accident. I was. One one of the biggest perks of my job, so you might be out there going, what is your job? What are you talking about? When I go to Joe Nall, my job is to get in a golf cart, interact with anyone who wants to say hello, take photos. And my goal is to take photos. Uh, if you weren't there, my goal is to make you feel like you were there. Upload those to RC groups where you can then go and check it out. I hang out, and this is a perk. I get to hang out with all the cool designers and uh, marketing people at companies like Horizon. So Kim and I have been friends for the whole time I've been in the hobby. David Payne and I have been friends for the whole time. And uh, But one of the biggest perks is I get to stand on the main line of almost any event I go to and no one asks me to move back. <laughs> 
And it's because A, they know me. B, they know that I'm not stupid. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm super careful. And uh, my job is to take photos. So one year, and I haven't told this in a while. I'm going to leave out some good parts, I'm sure. But one year, I was standing next to Pete Goldsmith. And he was flying a 200-mile-an-hour airplane. And um, I have two good stories from this one day. But Pete was coming in. He was doing a low, high-speed pass. And the plane was ripping. I mean, prop tearing like you wouldn't believe. And I forget exactly what happened. Either he blew a surface or the prop shredded. But it went from wah to wah. And it was off. It went out and over the crowd. And uh, not in a a dangerous way. He was pretty high up. But. If you can see the main line in your head, behind us is a series of hills where RVs are. So now now we're going to cut to Jerry L. Smith, very good friend of mine, nine-time Funfly World Champion. He's from Paducah, Kentucky. He has the most beautiful Kentucky accent that you could ask for, and he's sitting on that hill with a friend of his. It might have been Azar. In fact, it was uh, R.I.P. Azar. And he said they were sitting under a canopy, and he says that he's uh, watching Peter fly. And then he says that he hears that airplane and then he sees it coming. And he says, Jim, it was coming right for us. And he said, we sat there a minute. And then I said, Azar, I believe we better get out of here. And he said the plane was headed right for their tent. And he said before they got up and jumped, it took a right. And I'm standing next to Peter, who's watching the airplane the whole time, isn't saying a word. This plane now has no power. And uh, he arcs it, arcs it, arcs it, brings it around, unpowered. It's already gone past us on top of a hill, come back. And I am not kidding. I just now didn't cuss because I almost did. He, (laughs) He landed it, skidded it in at his feet. Wow. It, it then turned around and wow. the whole crown erupted. <laughs> that is awesome. So the next guy up is Kike. And Kike <laughs> is flying another big, big airplane. And uh, all I have from this is a beautiful quote. I'm using the word beautiful a lot here, but uh, Kike blew uh, a servo and aileron. And he's got his, I can just see him looking up with his transmitter like down at his knees. And he goes, "Uh uh-oh, looks like we got some troubles. (laughs) And then he landed it. That's That's cool. Kike impression, Jim. Well, you've heard the Kike impression. I think it was you that came in and you had up shredded jeans in the office. I don't think think I've ever walked in there with shredded jeans. And he said, oh, Steve, your jeans are all broken. <laughs> yeah, the the quote I love best from uh, from Kike, the word I can think of him saying. If I need to get into the accent mindset, I just think of you have to look for the wind because he always <laughs> the wind. So that's how I that's why I put myself to talk like Kike. But we love Kike. He's a good guy. Yes, I, I hope he doesn't I'm, mind. Absolutely, us. Kike. <laughs> Well, Jim. No, that, that's what that story had everything. I mean, sound effects. Yeah. We had the, the the prop coming off. We had uh, we had impressions. That story. You truly lived up to the uh, the the uh, being a great storyteller. Uh, 
description there, Jim. So thanks, thanks for sharing that with us. That was awesome. I'm glad I pulled it out. Yeah, that was good. So I know you put on a little event down south. Um, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but what uh, what event? Tell, tell folks about that event. It's had about 20 names, but for the last 10 years, it's been called Nashbro. That's right, yeah. And I do believe we're on our 13th year, which is crazy. And so we have it in this little town called Leapers Fork that was founded in 17-something or other. The guy, it was originally called Bentonville, but Benton got in a duel with Andrew Jackson. And evidently, while getting in a duel with Andrew Jackson is cool, shooting him is not. And so he shot Andrew Jackson in the shoulder and had to leave the state. And that's when they changed the name to Leapers Fork. Wow. It's a one-horse town. It's uh, full. But the crazy part is, now I got there, there was a few country stars. But now, the field next to where we fly is owned by Justin Timberlake. Chris Stapleton just bought three buildings up the road. Uh, Tim McGraw lives not too far away. And then our most notable guy is Mike from American Pickers. When I had Billy Hell RC, I was based out of Leapers Fork and Mike came over and spent the day with me drinking beer, telling me about this crazy idea for a TV show about finding antiques. And I remember saying, good luck with that, Mike. (laughs) And then, you know, fast forward, it was one of my favorite shows for a long time. So say again. (laughs) I was like, sometimes you just miss the mark on uh, what's going Oh, man. Yeah. And so uh, we sit in the middle of nowhere on 200 acres, and one, and we, we all come down for a week. And for anyone having an event, I've written about this before, I don't think you realize what you are actually doing. You know, you know you're having an event. You know you're creating a place for people to fly. But it only dawned on me in the last few years, people, this is there for some people that come. It's their only vacation for the whole year. So they only get this amount of time to take off and they choose to drive all the way across the country and hang out in a pasture with a bunch of yahoos. We have bonfires every night. We do night flying. We cook barbecue. We go up the street and all eat at Puckett's. I I say we're sponsored by Puckett's, the best grease in the South. And (laughs) I have my my little blue 28 mile an hour golf cart. We do uh, golf cart stunts. And uh, the AMA has been down and and given me an award there once. So for such a tiny show, uh, it's it's had a long career and uh, made a lot of people happy. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, I, that's a show I've not been to, but I definitely need to. I need to get down there because I've, I've heard of many stories and that. Oh, there's my dog. Uh, many stories, and I think, ah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna. When we get back out there, are you guys having it in 21 or? Is it late 2020? I'll just see where we where we land this year. And uh, it's always September. It's the end of September. It's the last week. And so we'll see what's going on. Um, it's, it's more of a hang. So if your thing is like sitting around and talking and then standing up and, and having a fly, then sitting back down and then maybe eating some barbecue and then building a fire. And I, I tend to put people in the golf cart and we drive around and talk. It's uh, that's kind of what happens there. That sounds good. This sounds like my kind of event. Yeah, yeah. an event I would go to, not as a Horizon employee. Just go with no, you know, no Horizon branding and just have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Well, cool. Um, all right. So now we've we've gone through all the event stuff. I think what uh, get into the product stuff. So what is your? This is really going to sound pretty basic, but what's kind of your all time favorite RC? 
swap out airplane, car, boat, you name it. What's what's the go to? I've never had a boat. I don't think in my history I've ever had a boat. I had a pool, but not anymore. So boats aren't really in the picture. My favorite car is any actual rock climber. And Mm -hmm. I just sold, I had one that I, well, I had a mini T that went like 80 miles an hour. (laughs) Everything on it was stainless steel. And every time I drove it, it cost me about 30 bucks because I would ram it into something at like full speed and, and break it. It's still here. Um, my favorite airplane, uh, any airplane in the timber line is my favorite. And the turbo timber, if anyone out there is like, Jim, what do you suggest? If you're a general RC pilot, and people do ask me this a lot, because in my real life, people know this is what I do. And if they have a question, this is they come to me and ask, what should I buy? I think the turbo timber right now is the most, uh, It's you can run on a three or a four, it doesn't care. It's taking a timber and uh, modifying it with every mod you can, and it comes out of the box that way. It looks awesome. Flies great. And a beginner, now, I get argued with uh, sometimes people are like, this is not a beginner plane, but I think it could be a beginner plane. And it's also great for a guy who's been flying for 13 years. Yeah. Yeah, we see that too. It's definitely a, a good seller of ours. And uh, I think the the new version, is it, it adds that layer of flyability, a little bit of more extra performance with the stiffer wing and the bigger motor and the 4S. Plus the value you get with the floats makes it worth it. And that's honestly, it's my all-time favorite Joe Nall plane, <laughs> even though it's not giant yeah. scale. Evening float flying is my all-time favorite thing after the day's done. Uh, that, that's quite the that's quite the plane to have there. So, And you might be listening to the podcast and saying, oh, Jim is saying this because um, he's on the Horizon podcast. But if you go into my hangar, and my rule is if I don't fly it in a year, it gets gone. And so everything in my hangar is what I like. My Timber X is probably my personal favorite plane. Uh, for normal people, the turbo timber is what you need. And the, the one plane I don't own, but really, 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 really want. Um, I was at Nashville last year and I had a, a home built gigantic. It's such an ugly airplane. It's a, it's, it's a, it looks like a cow. It's painted like a cow. It's got internal LEDs, but somebody took up the Steve, you got to help me. I can't believe I'm spacing out on the name. It's your cell plane that lights up at night. The night radiant. Right. Yep. Yeah. Radiant. Yeah. Holy smokes. I've never, I've seen them, I guess, but not by myself. It was me and that airplane. And it was so lit up the sky. And I knew it had to fly great that it's on my list. The next time I go somewhere where I can fly at night, night radiant is what I'm going to own. Yeah. The lights on that thing are just killer these days. And just all the different, you know, combinations you can have or solid if you don't like the flickering lights. But we love them at uh, at RC Fest. They're like the ultimate fireworks airplane because <laughs> they're relatively it's expensive and, and low emotional debt. But really, we love to just do it because it looks so cool in photographs. We uh, we just shipped our first ever transmitter magazine, which is a new quarter leaf piece we're doing. And uh, one of the one of the key photos in that magazine was the radiance flying through uh, the fireworks. It's just an awesome airplane. And and you may not like me for saying this, but um, just because I might add some workload, but one thing I always wish when I, and I do a lot of horizon reviews is that every horizon plane had built in channels in the, in the fuse and in the wing. So if I wanted to go buy LEDs and slide in like a copious amount of LEDs, I yep. could do so. 
We're starting to do that. The feedback did get to the team. We're starting to do that in some airplanes. Not every one of them, but some airplanes, we're starting to throw them in there. And then finally, I I don't want to leave out my most favorite airplane of my entire life. And I I own a gigantic one right now. It's the uh, Mojo. I don't even know if anyone's making the Mojo, if, if it's still a plane you can buy. But the Mojo, when I started Billy Hell RC, that was, uh, I made it as an ARF, made by uh, a bunch of ladies from a church. We hired them, and within about three months, they were as good as any ARF-creating team I've ever come across. And then we also sold kits. And as far as 3D, for me, there's never been a uh, sweeter more responsive uh, 3D profile plane. I have a Lamiac, which is a hybrid uh, Mojo. And man, just such a sweetheart. Mojo is like a profile plane, but with a built-up wing, right? And a carbon fiber tube that goes all the way through the fuselage. Okay, so you can really huck that thing around. (laughs) You do anything you want, and you can even knock it in the ground. I've got videos of them flexing, you know, like, and then coming back to normal. Wow. Awesome. Very cool. So Jim, I got to ask a little bit. I mean, you know, again, you live in Nashville. We know you're a guitar player. You know, um, I mentioned to you while we were getting set up, I love Nashville. We, we, it's a good weekend getaway from Champaign. It's about a five hour drive. Are you performing anywhere right now? Or are you just in a, is just a hobby? You know, do I need to come put on my next Nashville trip to come see you perform? So when I went to Hollywood, I'm going to make sure I, I'm going to end this with the story about the Rolling Stones. So we'll start here, go to answer your question, then the Stones. Um, when I went to Hollywood, I worked in the movies, but I did get involved with a guy that I knew from Nashville who was a lot more put together and talented than I, and we had a band. So for two years, I played and started an acoustic, became a rock band. So I have been in kind of a pro-level band. When I went to Nashville, I was more of a, uh, you know, I was the owner of a record label, the president of a record label. So then I started promoting music and was and played around town with some of the guys that were on the label, which was awesome. I played the mandolin back then and we'd play around. So now I play three times a week in my backyard. I have a set list and uh, some neighbors applaud me and maybe text me requests if they hear me from their back porch. Some neighbors at yells, turn it down. So I get mixed uh, results. So so to answer your question, no, not really. Um, But I do want to, this is a great story. It's RC and it's historical and it has to be told. I was, we have a field a mile from my house, which is probably why I'm in the hobby. And there was a guy there and he had a Texas accent like me, good old boy like me. And we got along. And so every time I'd see him on a Wednesday, he would have a new airplane or usually. And he'd be like, hey, Jim, will you will you do the test flight on this one? So you might he might have the ailerons reversed or uh, anything you could do to an airplane to mess me up. Usually happened. And I only crashed one of his airplanes in that whole time of me test flying his airplane. So anyway, I walk up on him one day and I hear him telling a story about Yoko Ono. And he's saying that uh, he lived next door to John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And every day at two, he and John Lennon would have a sabbatical. And Yoko decided that wasn't okay. And he was forbidden to go to their house anymore. And he said one day, uh, John came over and he said, uh, you got to come over and uh, 
Bobby, you have to do this thing for Yoko. She's got an album coming out. And, and I said, well, what what did you do for Yoko? And he said, well, she needed a bullfrog sound on the album. So I took my saxophone and I, I played the lowest note you can play on the sax. And she said, that's my bullfrog. And he said, from then on, I could hang out with John anytime I wanted. And wow. I said, well, what do you do for a living, Bobby? And he goes, well, I'm in a little band. Maybe you've heard of us. It's called the Rolling Stones. So Bob, yeah, <laughs> I had no idea. I oh, knew man. Bobby for a long time. And so Bobby was a sax player for the Stones. He started out at 16 with Buddy Holly, met the Stones in 68, started touring with them then, uh, Brown Sugar and songs like that. That's his sax. And he, play, he played on all the hits. And Bobby flew us up with us wow. at our field and was always out there until he died. Wow, that's pretty That's amazing. And check this out, Steve. You know, when, um, so, uh, Chris, we used to have a band, the Seph Tones. We played at Seph with Chris Henson and Peter. And um, <laughs> then we had the Nallman Brothers and we played at Joe Nall. And <laughs> the tricky part was we never saw each other until the show. So I think we pulled off decent performances for a band that wasn't actually together. And one year, Bobby Keys said, if you'll drive me, I'll be your sax player at uh, Joe Nall. Wow. <laughs> I didn't do it, and I didn't do it for good reason. I thought, could I do Joe Nall and be in charge of Bobby Keys for a week at the same time? True. That's probably true. And mm-hmm. I, in retrospect, I would do it. I would go and say to myself, do it for historical reasons and just uh, bite the bullet. But I didn't do it. Unfortunately. Oh, well. well yeah. That's amazing. Well, Steve, you play sax, right? <laughs> yeah. I- I did a pretty awful job at, in the Seftones, but I had a lot of fun. It was, it was uh, pretty hard for me to to jump in with those guys, but man, it was that that was quite. I was in over my head with you know you Jim and Chris Henson, just incredible guitar players, and I am not not the most incredible sax player, but I had fun. That's all that matters, right? That was that was at Seft though. That was not at Joan All, but yeah, it was, that was. Oh, that's true. That's the Septone performance was really good. So we have videos from all that stuff. And I will go back because so many years have gone by. And it was actually pretty good. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they were excellent. I remember a lot of people talking about that. And I, I remember watching it myself, being at Seth so many years, even before I was at Horizon. But yeah, we got to get the band back together at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, the secret weapon, of course, is Chris Henson. He's the, the jail. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, Chris, uh, my daughter grew up around all this stuff, and she's now she'll be 19 on Sunday. And she, uh, you know, I have a lot of guitars, and so she'll come in and say, can I borrow the Les Paul? And so she plays like three hours a day. Wow. And she, I'm sure she'll surpass me as a guitar player. <laughs> that's good. Well, sounds like you'll have to get her to join the yeah, band. Uh, that's a great idea. I think you touched on this earlier, but who is it in the industry that you kind of look up to, whether it's life or the RC industry? I, you probably have two at that point, maybe more. Man, that's a good question. <laughs> so much time has gone by and I've looked up to so many people and let me, and so many people have been so gracious to me. Um, Jim Martin was the first guy. Jim Martin was the owner and founder of Hobby Lobby. And, you know, Jim did so many things right. He was the first guy to to take a product and say, if you buy this product, here's the speed controller, here's the motor, and here's the battery and servos that you're going to need. 
And so he invented the package deal as far as this hobby goes. And uh, Jim was a demanding uh, boss, but he would bring me in his office once a week and go over. He would be like, all right, this week we're going to talk about this. He's the guy who taught me that an exclamation point was like laughing at your own joke. So that's how granular it went with Jim mentoring me on uh, how to market and especially in the RC industry. So if I have to give it up to one guy, you know, for my career lasting this long, I have to give it up to Jim. And the other guy and girl I'll give it up to is my mom and dad. My dad ran Graham International, and he taught me how to be around people, how to enjoy people, and uh, how to always treat people, which is the number one rule in life in general, you know, is just how you handle anybody. From the lady that brings me my groceries at Kroger to uh, the owner of large company, to me, I try to treat everybody the same. Pilot-wise, the first pilot that ever uh, got me going on the hobby, it was a VHS tape from Hobbytown USA, and they had it on uh, the TV. And that was Kike Somanzini. He was flying around a racetrack, a horse racetrack. And I was like, what is this? How could you fly like that? Who is this guy? And I bought the VHS, and that really is what I think made me start building airplanes. Awesome. Yeah, yeah very cool. Legend. Very cool. Well, Jim, you have been great to talk to us. You've, you've given us a, a good hour of your time now. We want to give you a chance to switch it up a little bit and give you the open mic to promote anything you'd like to, to talk, to say anything you'd like to, to, the, the, to whoever may be listening to this podcast Tell us about anything you're working on. Uh, give you a chance here for some promotion if you'd like to as well. Well, the thing I want to say is I've had to think about in the last two weeks exactly what I'm doing. And uh, we're in an interesting point in history where many people are stuck at home or self, you know, they're they're le- keeping themselves at home for different reasons. And so then my whole gig here at RC Groups is to, provide a great home base for RC pilots. And then I also help create content. I'm always looking for what is something you might be interested in. And so during this time, my question is, what what am I really doing here? And so I'm trying to provide a solution for people at home that are in the hobby that are looking for something to do. And, you know, um, that involves every day. The amount of new old users coming back is crazy. I spend almost half a day every day helping old users get their accounts going again so they can get back on the site. I'm watching the site grow every day as people are rediscovering RC groups. Um, It's been pretty amazing. And then every year for about three years, I've thought I should have an online trade show. But you're so busy, as both of you probably know, going to the show, being at the show, covering the show, getting back from the show, catching up from the show, and then leaving for the next show, that there was no way for me to do that. And so this little gap in time has allowed me to create, and this is what I'm promoting right now, the online trade show on rcgroups.com. It started this morning. I got up at six in the morning and turned it on. And uh, when you go to rcgroups.com, you'll see the companies that are currently involved. I do have other companies uh, that will be coming online soon. And so the goal here was to create an online show where you felt like and, and did get show uh, deals. You learned about new airplanes. I'm doing live interviews during the week. Uh, Horizon and I are working on multiple interviews. 
And I have interviews that I did in the past week that were just made live today. And so my goal is for you to feel like, hey, I, I went and learned something that I couldn't have learned last week about what's going on in the hobby. So be sure and go to RC Groups and check that out. And of course, we have flygiants.com for all you giant scale guys and Heli Freak for you Heli guys. And these are the largest RC sites of their kind for their genres. So if you're into the hobby and you've never heard of us, go and check us out. Yeah, that, that's it. I second that. Those are great sites. We love uh, we love keeping up with all the conversations out there. And there's some really interesting insight that we learn as a team uh, reading through the forums. And, and you know, the guys are on there, I would say, daily and sometimes more than they should be. But uh, in, a, in a way that it's, it's helpful to learn what customers are talking about that you're not only seeing even through Facebook. Um, you know, RC Groups really is a great forum for that. So... Good job keeping that up, Jim. And I, I'm excited to see how, how everything turns out for the online trade show as well. That's a great idea. Certainly something you were the perfect uh, guy and the perfect site to be able to host something like that. So kudos to you. Well, it, I've got to say it's been kind of daunting just coming up with the idea. And now I'm, I'm going to, now that it's kicked off, I've got to uh, figure out a way to keep it, nursing it along through the week and promoting it and and putting things in there that people are excited about. So I don't have it in front of me, but one interesting thing about Horizon and RC Groups is uh, you will post new products. I post new products. And I started collecting threads to try to get an idea. We have threads in here that have over 100,000 views on uh, just Horizon products. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. And I've started collecting... That is, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, and yeah, thanks. And Jim, you know, again, this is exactly what we wanted to bring folks, you know, this, this podcast was something Steve and I just came up with just as kind of a fun thing, you know, another way to kind of interact with the RC community. And we're really lucky that we get to, to talk and work and hang out with guys like you that have really cool stories, both in the RC industry and beyond and, you know, a lot of people that, like I said, if you were at your local club, people would love to just hang out with you and hear the stories you just shared with us. And because we work at Horizon, we're able to, to arrange some of those things. And so just thank you for all you do for the RC community, especially right now when people can't get out. Um, you know, they need RC groups. They need Flying Giants. They need Heli Freak. They need this trade show so that they can stay part of the RC community. So Thanks for spending your time with us today. Thanks for all you're doing to uh, innovate and grow the industry. And and for being a legend, I'll throw that in one more time so you can make sure your wife hears it. Um, but thanks for your time today. For everybody listening to the podcast, hopefully you enjoyed uh, hearing Jim's great stories. And uh, until next time, for uh, Chris and Steve, uh, be well. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Take care, Jim. Thank you. Very much. All right, thanks, Jim. Take care. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of the On the Horizon RC Podcast. This episode is over, but please make sure to follow us wherever you find your podcasts. And like always, check out the uh, links in the description as well as making sure to check out Jim's online trade show at rcgroups.com. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you in a couple weeks.